Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Fiona Tuck is one of the most well-respected skincare and nutrition experts in Australia. She has 30 years of experience in the professional skincare and wellness industry and is known in the media as the Mythbuster. Her experience varies from clinic practitioner, clinic owner, industry educator, skincare brand development, and founder of Vitasol Ingestible Beauty. It's an all-natural professional inner wellness product to support the skin from the inside out. Fiona also hosts a fortnightly podcast called The Forensic Nutritionist and is a published author by the same name. I'm so excited to share Fiona's wisdom in this episode. She's going to do some of her traditional and fantastic myth busting around nutrition, diet, and aging. She'll share with you some easy tips uh, and changes you can make immediately that are going to get you your glow on. And she's going to share some of the science that is the link between nutrition and living your best beautiful life. Excited to speak to Fiona Tuck. I'm delighted to have you here with us, Fiona. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to connect with you. So lovely to see you. We've had so many conversations about um, positive aging. Um, I first met you actually when you were in uh, skin therapy. You you were a co-founder of a very big skincare brand, a, a formulator, a trainer for the Skin Institute brand. Is that right? Yeah, so I've worked for a lot of different skincare companies and skincare brands. I think you name it, I've probably worked with it or used it or tried it or trained with it. Um, so my background is skincare. I've been in the skincare industry for 30 years. That makes me feel, you know, been around for a while. <laughs> and also nutrition. So for me, my passion really is combining nutrition and skincare because I really am all about the whole longevity and staying youthful and vibrant for as long as we possibly can, because I think, you know, we've got one life, so let's make the most of it and let's live it to our fullest and our our healthiest. That's what I'm all about. Uh, And I do, the reason I've invited you to be a guest on the podcast uh, for our audience is that I think that you're uniquely trained, you know, a lot of nutritionists or dietitians or healthcare experts or wellbeing experts work in isolation, but you've come from a beauty background. So the conversation around wanting to have the best glowing skin of our life, wanting to have, um, you know, minimized fine lines, wanting to feel like we were in our 20s, 30s, uh, is not foreign to you. And um, I want to talk about, first of all, your expert uh, take on um, the role of nutrition and vitality and also aging. Look, I think when it comes to nutrition, it's actually very simple. And I think somewhere along the way, it's got really complicated. And this whole wellness trend that came around was a lot, a lot of it I feel was based on a lot of scaremongering and what you can't eat and what you shouldn't do. And it it became very confusing with a lot of different messages out there. But the reality is when it comes to healthy eating and, and good nutrition, the foundations are very simple. But I think, Baha, what gets missed is that there are all these conflicting messages of, you know, don't eat dairy, don't eat gluten, eat low carb. And a lot of these messages are incorrect. And a lot of people will eat to, um, they, they eat on what they think it's going to make them look like. So people eat sort of to lose weight or to try and keep weight down. And they get very obsessed with what they're eating a lot of people don't actually eat for wellness, for vitality, for good health. And that's very different. So rather than starve yourself or take a supplement or, or um, you know, follow these diet trends, it's really important to understand what healthy eating is. And I think a lot of people don't get the foundations right and then will rely on a, a pill or a, a vitamin supplement and 
it doesn't work that way. You know, we've got to get the foundations right. I'm going to take it back a notch, though. It's not sexy to eat for wellness. People want uh, quick fixes. And, you know, we've been sold a lot of diets uh, on the premise that it's going to make us more beautiful. Like I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember the Perricone diet, Dr. Perricone salmon diet. And, you know, there was a time in the 90s or uh, late uh, early 2000s that we all stunk of salmon because we were eating five servings of salmon. Sure, my health glowed, my skin glowed, I looked gorgeous, but it wasn't very, you know, socially acceptable to just be on a salmon diet. And then, you know, um, there's a massive uptake in plant-based eating, veganism. Again, the promise isn't just health, it's how it makes you look, Uh, you know, bulletproof uh, coffee, uh, intermittent fasting. The first sexy sizzle of all of these you know, eating protocols is how it will affect your look. So how do we marry the goal of being our best selves to achieving nutritional balance and a healthful long-term marriage of beauty and nutrition? I think when you're healthy on the inside, when you're eating well, that's going to radiate in absolutely every aspect of your life. So your skin's going to change. You're going to get that actual healthy glow, that vitality. Your cells are functioning at their optimum, and that's going to give you more cellular energy, which you're going to have more stamina, more energy, more vitality. I mean, one of the key signs of um, aging or premature aging even is long, you know, chronic inflammation or what we call inflammaging. And some of the signs of chronic inflammation are the things such as low energy, you know, fatigue, um, apathy, where you just can't be bothered to do anything and you can't get excited about life. And I hear it so many times from people when they say, you know, I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. I can't be bothered. Like that's not living your best life. And that's the warning bell to say, come on, what's going on? You know, is it because you're stressed? Is it because you're burnt out? Is it the diet? Are you drinking too much? What's going on? Let's strip it back and let's start with that foundation because when we can get the foundations of lifestyle and diet right, that's going to have a knock-on effect to every other aspect of our life and how well we how well we work, how well we look after our families and our love for life as well. So, you know, we've talked about before the markers of youth, um, you know, sexual virility, um, energy, uh, brain function, um, glowing good health, um, energy. What are some of the other things that you think that nutrition can correct on that path to um, revitalization and agelessness? Well, nutrition, we've got nutrition is an interesting one. We need to get the vitamins and minerals, all sort of the macronutrients in for, for energy, of course. But what I don't think people realize is that food in general, what we put in our mouths has got the ability to not only give us nutrients and not only give us fuel for energy, but it has the ability to affect the way that our genes express. Wow. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. So if you think about the gut and the gut microbiota and all the living organisms and and microbes and viruses and fungi that, that live inside us, what we eat will either have a beneficial effect on the gut microbiota or not such a beneficial effect. And I think when we can grasp the concept of what we eat can actually affect our gene expression then that is going to really set us up for longevity, health and wellness, or it's going to set us up for poor aging or disease. So I think it's important to understand that that how we live our life, our lifestyle factors will also affect gene expression. So how stressed we are. Stress plays a huge role in um, health and well-being and longevity. And even exercise, you know, we say that sitting is the new smoking, 
because we know that exercise, obviously we know that it's good for our metabolism, it's good for muscle strength, it's good for our bones, all things that um, we need to be aware of with aging. But exercise is also involved in keeping our gut microbiota healthy and our gene expression as well. Can I and ask so, you more? Can you can I ask yeah. you just to clarify this new term gene expression? What does that mean? And um, let's talk about the uh, nutrition or mind body connection and gene expression. This is really interesting. Well, when I say gene expression, it's it's not really a new term. It's more just how our body is function, right? So we, we've all got genes, but they they will express. So you may have a genetic tendency for a certain disease, but that gene may not express or it may express depending on stress, lifestyle, diet, really are the, the main things. So to a certain degree, we can control to a certain degree there are genetics that do play a role, but how we live our life, what we put into our bodies um, will affect the way that our genes express. Now, we've got genes that are going to have an effect on longevity. There are actually longevity genes and certain people um, and people that live into, you know, 100 and beyond do seem to have particular genes that express or, um, but also it's important to understand that we do, we do have an effect on our genes by how we live. So that really comes back to what I'm passionate about, which is the concept of nutrigenomics. And nutrigenomics really is the concept, and, and this was really something in studies that was really only being looked at in the last 20 years. So in the past, we've always looked at food as the nutrient component in food. And an individual component of the food, maybe it's a vitamin, say vitamin C or whatever, that has been studied to see what effect that has on our health and well-being. But only recently in the past 20 years or so have, have studies shown that it's not just about the individual nutrients in food. It's also about these important plant compounds in food that have an ability to actually affect the way our genes express or have the ability to turn on or off certain genes. And that is what we call the concept of, of nutrigenomics. So we can either turn on positive genes or negative genes. And that's what I find really exciting. You developed your own um, supplement range, um, Vitasol, which I have, I tried, I think about two years ago, I tried your marine collagen as a skin booster. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, as a nutritionist who really advocates that we've got a lot of power in what we put into our mouths and how we prepare food, you've also developed supplements. Um, do you believe that organic is um, essential or are you flexible with regards to uh, the origin of the foods that we eat um, and the preparation of the foods that we eat. And then we'll, uh, I'll get you to take us through some of the supplementations you advocate. I think that if you have the privilege of being able to eat organic and you can afford it, then by all means eat organic. And the fact that food is grown without chemicals and pesticides although there are very limited studies on the effects of that because there really hasn't been many studies done in that area. Um, what we do know about eating organic food is that um, particularly with, with plants grown in an organic environment, they do tend to be higher in certain phytochemicals and things like polyphenols. So what we do know is that when you eat organic vegetables that are obviously grown without chemicals and pesticides, because those vegetables don't have the pesticides protecting them, if you like, 
then they have to produce their own antioxidants and things like polyphenols to protect themselves. So they tend to be um, slightly richer in nutrients. And we ingest so, that. Yes. So that's the benefit. But also we're not having these um, chemicals and pesticides, which we just don't really know yet what effect that has on the gut microbiota. So where possible, I think, great, go for the organic food, particularly fruits and vegetables. But if you can't afford it, then eat the fruits and vegetables and just make sure you, you wash them well. So I don't think it's worth obsessing over, um, but doing the best that you can. And the most important thing, Baha, is to get those fruits and vegetables and to get those plant-based foods in um, because we know that the plant-based diet, and that's a diet that's rich in plant foods. It's not a diet that's devoid of all animal-based produce, but the basis of that diet is plant-based. We know that that um, is going to lower our risk of disease. We know it's going to be a anti-inflammatory diet. And um, the diversity of plant foods in the diet has also been shown to um, be beneficial in the diversity of the gut microbiota. So we know that that is a really healthy way to go. We, we were speaking before about how you advocate like and some quick tips and quick wins that we can have and your mantra is simplicity can you take us through um say you know if I was to come to see you or you know I know you used to have a clinical practice how would you guide me to create a more anti-inflammatory um nutrient rich plant-based uh enhanced diet that's going to help me feel and look ageless I think Everybody is going to be different, obviously. So there's no one size fits all approach because it does depend on lifestyle, age, activity, et cetera, et cetera. So we always have to take that into consideration, food intolerances, of course. But, you know, the basics are really making sure we try and reduce stress or get on top of stress levels because that is going to have a knock-on effect to hormones, um, which can affect, you know, disease premature aging we know that um, exercise daily exercise can affect as I mentioned earlier the way that we we age that's important very very basic guidelines is to increase the amount of plants in our diet so I think the last study I looked at 96% of Australians are not eating enough vegetables so What's interesting is I would say the majority of people that I say to, how is your diet? Do you have a healthy diet? Tell me about your diet. 99.9% would say, oh, my diet's pretty good, which is really interesting when we know that the stats, <laughs> Australians just are not eating enough vegetables. So the amount of plant-based foods, we really need to increase that. You know, have plant foods at breakfast. So if you have toast, have avocado and tomato with it, maybe some herbs. Um, get those veggies in, veggies at lunchtime um, and at dinner. And when I'm talking about plant-based foods, we're, we're talking about things like fruits, vegetables, um, getting in nuts and seeds getting in the whole grains. So that would be things like oats, brown rice, um, bread, but the whole grain bread, the rye bread, you know, the buckwheat rather than the really refined um, carbohydrates, getting in um, legumes and also thinking about um, herbs and spices and how we can get more of these really important plant chemicals in the diet, not just the vitamins and the minerals. That's also going to give us these really important prebiotics, which are the fuel for the beneficial microbes in the gut, which we know can affect gene expression and are also important for producing substances that are going to have an effect on down-regulating the pro-inflammatory pathways in the body. So these things are really key to reducing inflammation in the body, which we know can have an effect on aging. So that is something that is very, very simple. And I have had people that have just tried to do that, getting at least 
30 different plant-based foods in a week and getting in as much. That's a lot. I mean, that's, that's quite a bit of diversity and variety. Well, if you think that's including fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds. So it's not actually that much. I mean, I could have, if you had berries and blueberries and raspberries, on your breakfast, that's two. If you had oats, that's three. If you put some walnuts on the top, that's four. Put a few pumpkin seeds on, that's five. So you can really start to get the diversity up there quite easily, and that's one meal. So if you can keep mixing it up throughout the day, it's quite achievable, and it can actually be quite fun to do, getting in many different colors in as possible and if you always have red tomatoes have orange ones have yellow ones have green ones get the mixed legumes instead of just the plain chickpeas mix it up the more diversity the more different types of fibers the different types of nutrients it's going to fuel for your gut and that's going to have a knock-on effect to health and well-being that's a really simple place to start And what's your take on proteins, uh, animal proteins, meat, and, you know, uh, fish? We talked about the Perricone diet and all that. (laughs) Well, the the government guidelines are about um, two to three serves a week of of oily fish, which is actually quite a lot. Like, I think you've got to really sort of make an effort to eat that. Um, And that's going to give us enough of the omegas, the EPA and the DHA, which are also helping to um, keep inflammation at bay. And they're also going to be really beneficial for brain health, heart health. So um, trying to get at least two serves of fish in a week is going to be beneficial for vitality for brain health and for glowing beautiful skin so I'm all about the fish um we do need protein as well it's about getting that the right balance when people have too high a protein and not enough carbs that can be problematic not great for women in particular particularly um it can throw hormones out so making sure we have enough good quality carbohydrates is important. So by all means, have meat or animal produce, but we just don't want to be having a lot of it or highly processed meats, you know, a lot of bacon and salamis and those types of things. If you want them now and again, fine. But the most important thing is get the diversity of the plant foods in, because when we have that, it's going to negate any um, other food sort of negative effect, if that makes sense. And what about the role of sugar? I mean, everywhere we've heard that, you know, it's hugely inflammatory. And at the very beginning of the podcast, you flagged inflammation and inflammaging as, you know, a key thing that you're uh, wanting to educate people on. What's the role of sugar in aging? And what are some of the swaps or some of the tips and techniques that you can offer us uh, in our anti-aging quest uh, with sugar? When we're talking about sugar, I think it's important to mention that there's sugar in the sugar, if that makes sense, because people, I think when that I quit sugar craze went around, there were actually cases of scurvy reoccurring in Sydney, which is a vitamin C deficiency. And this was because, and this was in children, because mothers were beginning to get freaked out about giving their children fruit because of the sugar and because of the fructose in in fruit so eating fruit which does have natural sugars even milk has natural sugars sugars naturally occur in nature and we do need a certain amount of sugar I mean our brain runs off glucose so we need sugar for cellular energy but we need it from natural carbohydrates and that's also going to come with all the the nutrients as well from those whole foods fruits and vegetables etc now when we're looking at added sugars, so refined sugars or um, processed foods that have got a lot of added sugars or um, corn syrups and, and things like that, they're the sugars that we want to avoid. And that's when we're having way too many sugars in the diet. What that will do is um, it's going to affect how we age because when the 
when we age, there's a process that occurs called glycation. And that's when a sugar molecule basically binds to a protein or a nucleic acid in the body. And we get this um, glycation occurring when our quite often it will be collagen, uh, our protein fibers stiffen and, and harden. And that's what happens as we age, you know, the joints stiffen and we get stiffer and, and we get aging in the skin. So the more sugar we eat, the more excess, and I think it's important to say excess sugar. If we're having an excess of sugar and we're not having enough nutrients to balance that out or plant goodness, then we are going to see an acceleration in aging and an acceleration in what we call glycation. And whilst that's going to affect joints and mobility, we're also going to see that as lines and wrinkles in the skin as well. So too much sugar isn't a great thing. And in terms of rosacea um, and some dermatitis, I've heard that sugar and inflammation can, can also trigger those skin conditions as well. Is that correct? That gets really complicated because um, quite often with rosacea skin, for instance, there can be a gut component. Um, and we know that sugar can affect the gut. Um, and it's how they're having that sugar. So if they're having sugar with a lot of refined carbohydrates, they're not having the prebiotics, they're not having those plant nutrients, that's going to work very differently in the body than if they were having sugar with prebiotics, that's going to sort of compensate that. So um, with a rosacea skin, for instance, we need to rule out any underlying gut issues as well. But there's a lot of triggers for rosacea. Hot drinks, alcohol is um, yeah, a talk, big Talk to me about alcohol and aging. I mean, we know, we know, we know, we know. But let's live in the real world. If you want to continue consuming alcohol, what is a safe, um, you know, rule of thumb that is not going to derail all of your facial treatments and skincare products and all the other things we spend money on? I think the safe recommendation is what, two, two drinks a day. I think personally that's way too much. I think if you had two drinks a week, that would probably be a, a more safer, safer way. And it depends how much alcohol you're having. So if you don't drink at all and then you just go on binge drinking, that's going to really have an effect on your gut, which is going to have an inflammatory effect in the body as well. If you're having a little bit of alcohol and you're also eating a really healthy diet, then that's all going to balance out. And, you know, red wine, we know it's got a few polyphenols in there, so there's going to be some, some health benefits. Saying that, though, for some people, if they live a really stressed out lifestyle and they find that just half a glass of wine a day is going to just help them get on top of it, there may be some benefit there. So I'm, I'm not about don't ever have alcohol. It's about having it in an environment that it's controlled, that we're not relying on it to get wasted and, you know, lose all our worries if you've got the basics on the basis of a really healthy diet you get the 30 plant foods in a week then a little bit of alcohol now and again is okay um, if you had a glass of wine a night you know if that's what you need um, I do think there are a healthier alternatives but for some people it is a way of just actually helping them to relax a little bit and I think it's about not letting you, not relying on it as your prop, as long as you're not relying on alcohol to see you through. When you go to a health retreat, and I love health retreats, um, and I, you know, before the lockdown, I would go at least once a year. The first thing um, that they do is exactly as you advocated, up your plant intake. You know, you're um, often only on a plant-based diet at a lot of health retreats or your um, intake of uh, proteins is really simplified and very clean. Um, you're told to up your water intake. You're told to drop coffee uh, and alcohol. Does coffee um, have a role in an anti-aging um, program? I 
And I, I'm actually doing a health retreat in September for a longevity retreat for slow aging in, in the Hunter Valley at the, used to be the Golden Door, now the Alicia. And they're big on no coffee, but I actually take coffee with me <laughs> because I'm, I actually love coffee and I'm a big advocate of coffee. And wow, okay. what a lot of people don't realize is that coffee is a really good source of polyphenols and polyphenols are great for the gut and they're great for aging. So again, it's balance and moderation. If you're relying on seven to eight cups of coffee a day, which I see a lot of people that drink coffee throughout the day, mm -hmm. that is going to have an effect on the nervous system and that is not healthy. But if you're someone that you have one to two good cups of coffee a day that aren't full of sugar and, you know, artificial flavors and things like that, just a couple of coffees a day, that is absolutely fine. Providing that you're not somebody that is strung out and high anxiety and is it's got a very temperamental nervous system and can't cope with coffee. But if you can, one to two cups a day can actually have health benefits because of the polyphenols. So everyone responds differently to co coffee, but I think it can actually be part of a balanced, healthy diet and can help with slowing the aging process. Do you advocate um, bulletproof coffee? Have you ever tried it? Is that something that you um, have explored the science of? Because it's something that people are super curious about. Still, I thought that I thought that one had gone. Um, I don't advocate it at all. I don't believe in it. I, I think that for for a couple of reasons. I don't advocate it because a lot of people will have the bulletproof coffee, which is usually having coconut oil and butter sometimes added to black coffee. So basically, instead of having a nutritious meal with like important plant fibers, et cetera, you're having saturated fat, basically. So you're not getting your nutrients. You may get some polyphenols from the coffee, but that's about it. So that's not great. Um, so you are losing nutrients doing that. We also now know that saturated fat is pro-inflammatory in the body. We also <laughs> know that saturated fat will um, enhance the growth of certain gut microbiota or gut microbes. And we know that a high-fat diet, and that's usually with the bulletproof coffee, it's low-carb and, and high-fat. But a high fat, particularly saturated fat, not only um, alters the gut microbes in a potentially negative way, it depends what else you have with it. And that's the key factor here. But fat in general and saturated fat will enhance the absorption of what we call lipopolysaccharides or endotoxins from certain gut microbes. Now, what that means is we're absorbing endotoxins and it's because it's lipid soluble, which then become pro-inflammatory. So we know that a high fat diet is pro-inflammatory. So this whole low carb, high fat diet, I have never been a fan of. There is a time and a place for it, particularly with, um, I think it's epilepsy but um, not for health and well-being for most people. We also know, particularly with women, if they're on a low-carb diet, that can actually raise cortisol levels, um, which can affect things like adrenal fatigue, adrenal burnout, that feeling of exhaustion. Um, a low-carb diet can affect the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland in a negative way. If it's a long-term low-carb diet, that can affect our reproductive um, hormones. And a low-carb diet can also have a negative effect on the thyroid. And so it can start to take the thyroid into a hypothyroid state. And again, um, that's not what you want if you're trying to lose weight and you want to feel vibrant and full of energy. You're going to feel sluggish and tired. So quite often these things that we're doing to, that's the wellness trend or we're doing it to look a certain way can have the opposite effect of what we're trying to achieve. So I'm all about going with the evidence-based information um, and really look at where this information is, is coming from and look at, 
look at the people that follow these diets for a long period of time. Most people don't because they sort of wear out somewhere along the line or they, they're not thriving on them. The diets where people do thrive and actually people have the lowest risk of disease, they're the healthiest and they live the longest, are these anti-inflammatory style diets, the diets that are plant-based. They do have a little bit of dairy. They have a bit of meat-based products. They have their coffee. They have a little bit of alcohol, you know, the Mediterranean style diet, um, but they're eating a lot of fresh produce. They're having a lot of plant-based foods there as well. What about intermittent fasting, Fiona? Do you um, where does that fit in? Because again, a lot of studies have shown that you know reducing our calorie intake and in fact tipping the body into a fasting process can have anti-aging benefits. There's been science yes. um, on animals. There's been tests on humans. Uh, Dr. David Sinclair, who you know is a major um, advocate for um, uh, this kind of eating uh, is an anti-aging expert. What is your experience and your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Used in the right way, I think, and, and there's definitely evidence there to support it, but I think sometimes we then start to obsess and it then becomes an obsessive type of diet rather than used for a beneficial response. So, for instance, we know that obesity, if somebody eats too much or just a general um, intake of excessive calories, accelerates the aging process, causes inflammation. So um, that will- but so does up. excessive dieting, right? Yeah, it, yes, it does. And this is why we've got to get the balance right. Um, so an enlarged fat cell in itself will produce inflammatory mediators and set this whole inflammatory cascade up. So that's not great. Um, controlled dieting, chronic dieting can affect the gut microbiota. We can become nutrient deficient and that can also accelerate the aging process. So that's not great either. Mm -hmm. When it comes to um, intermittent fasting, just looking at it from a logical point of view, our bodies, I think, are highly sophisticated. And when the body needs to protect itself, it will naturally encourage you to go without food. So to, to give you an example, let's say you've been overindulging and it was Christmas or something like that. And you have a day or a weekend where it was very indulgent. Most people go, I've had too much, I've got to get back on track and we'll go for a couple of days of very light eating. But in a way, intermittent fasting, in a way, you're, you're reducing your calorie intake. We also know that the cells of the body will go through what we call autophagy when um, we have reduced calorie intake. So after a period of fasting of about 16 hours, the cells go into... Um, this process of autophagy, it stimulates a biochemical reaction in the body called NRF2 activation, which stimulates the cell to basically clear itself up. So if there's any toxins, cellular debris, the cells will be able to go in, clear themselves up before we get DNA damage. And that's really the process of, um, or that's what intermittent fasting is actually doing. So this is all... Um, our cells will actually protect themselves. We know that the cells, to activate cellular defense mechanisms, our cells can produce their own antioxidants to protect themselves, which are thousands of times stronger than a synthetic vitamin C, for instance. We need the right nutrients to do that and these important plant compounds. Our cells can also um, activate or down-regulate pro-inflammatory pathways when they get the right signaling. And we can do that via, again, these plant compounds. Um, we can also, our cells will also clear up cellular debris or detoxify themselves, if you like, when they get the right signals. So plant-based diet will do that, exercise will do that, and calorie restriction will do that. So intermittent fasting will do that. So it's about giving your body 
time to do what it would naturally do, especially if it's also being supported by good nutrition, good lifestyle. The intermittent fasting gives your body that, I guess, clear pathway to do what it needs to do. Is that correct? Sort of, yeah. Yeah. So we we where it doesn't work as well is if you're like five more minutes, five more minutes, and then I can yeah. eat, then you eat whatever you want, go on a big binge, and then I'm not eating again. There may be some benefit to that, but it's more, I think you naturally fast anyway. If you have dinner at six and then you don't have anything to eat till 10 o'clock the next day, you're sort of naturally intermittent fasting anyway. So as long as you're not eating late at night at nine o'clock and then you're having breakfast at six, we can naturally fast without making it into a special diet. I guess that's my point. I love that with all of your uh, clinical experience, with all of your, um, you know, uh, experience on the other end of aging, which is cosmetic uh, and skincare creation, you then went into the study and the production of your own uh, supplement brand, Vitasol. And um, from memory, you've got a collagen supplement, a gut health supplement, an antioxidant and something for flexibility. Um, can you just talk us through how each of those supplementations work in with a healthy lifestyle and, you know, a pro-aging um, kick that we can give our um, lives? I'm all about nutrition first. So getting the nutrients naturally via diet first and the studies, study after study after study, always say the best way to get nutrition is via a whole food diet. Now, as I already mentioned, most people aren't eating enough plant-based foods in the diet. And when we get our nutrients via a synthetic pill, these are high-dose, mega-dose nutrients in an isolated form that often come with fillers and excipients, things like propylene glycol and emulsifiers and things that I don't believe we should really be putting in unless we absolutely have to for, you know, it's a medicine or something like that. So if we, um, what I wanted to do is bring out something that is going to support a healthy diet that's got those important plant compounds in that we simply do not get in a synthetic vitamin that is also going to be giving you those important different prebiotics to support and nurture the gut microbiome that is also going to have natural vitamins and minerals that are all sourced naturally via plant-based and whole foods without relying on synthetic nutrients because synthetic nutrients work very, very differently. I always say there's a time and a place for mega dosing nutrients. There is a time and a place for it, but not for every single body every day because it will have a side effect. So I wanted to bring out something that was pure, that was natural, that was going to support healthy aging, that was going to support that detoxification of the cell, if you like, giving the cell the nutrients it needs, that was going to support a healthy gut, that was going to um, do all the things that we've been talking about without artificially manipulating the cell and trying to educate people away from just popping pills and synthetic vitamins. So these are all whole foods, the purest ingredients available from all around the, the globe. I'm absolutely pedantic about quality. And Baja, you know, there are so many products out there that will use the cheapest ingredients, which will compromise the quality of the, the ingredient and the efficacy of the product. Um, many powders will have things like maltodextrin and fillers and bulking agents. So you think you're getting more value for money. Um, I want to ask you different things. I want to ask you a quick question because, you know, how on earth would we know? Is there a way, is no, there a way no. of knowing if a supplement that you're taking is working? Um, you know, do we, a lot of us are taking multiple things at once. Is, is it blind faith? And, and how do we know? It, you don't really know because marketing is so clever and, and people will pull all different, you know, marketing strategies at you and, and fancy words and will, we'll, you know, I heard someone say the other day, oh, you're better to have liquid collagen because it absorbs better. Well, 
a collagen powder is mixed into a liquid, so you're going to absorb it the same way as a pre-blended liquid. You know, just, there's just all sorts of weird things that get said. Um, and the, the average person wouldn't know. And you can't really tell by looking at a label because you don't know where those ingredients come from. Most people won't know what an emulsifier is. They don't know how it affects the gut. They don't know what maltodextrin is. So they won't know. So it does come down to a bit of blind faith, trusting the integrity of the company that you're buying from. I mean, there's a lot of collagen products out there that... Um, they use farm fish. Most collagen, marine collagen, comes from fish farms in Thailand. Um, they use things like tilapia fish, which is a fish that um, it's really used to be a, you know, a, a an aquarium fish that um, isn't something personally I would want to be eating. Um, they're banned here actually in Australia. I, for me, it's all about quality. Um, so we we use wild caught deep sea cod from um, the wild caught sustainable for me it's about the quality but unfortunately the skincare the beauty industry the nutrition industry most people in it not all of them but most people in it are there to make a quick buck um, and for me my passion is transparency and integrity and and really being a bit of a whistleblower really to what goes on in the industry. If you want to know if your supplement is working, then, you know, how do you feel when you take it? I mean, the feedback we get from Vitasol is people say when they stop taking it, they don't feel great. <laughs> they, they notice, you know, more vitality, more energy, their gut health, you know, less bloating, more bowel regularity, glowing skin, clearer skin, healthier nails. So it's a lot of it is um, it takes time to see the results. It's That's not what I was going to ask you. Results. How long should we give any supplementation um, before we see it, you know, working and, uh, and producing the results that, that are promised? It varies with everyone because if it's a gut thing, you may notice it more quickly than a, a skin improvement. But with collagen, for instance, you really need to give it, and the clinical studies have shown about six to eight weeks. Um, I say give things a good three months because you've got to wait for skin cells to renew and for hair to grow and for nails to grow. So you, it is going to take time. If you're taking a supplement and looking at your nails and then, two days later is saying, well, my nails aren't any different. Well, no wonder because we're actually giving you the nutrients for the body to um, sort of grow new cells. So it will take time. And even with things like fish oil supplements and uh, essential fatty acid supplements, that takes a while for that to build up in the system. So you anything between three to six months, really, um, so the, the change and no one wants gradual. to hear that. Everyone wants a quick fix. I know. Everyone wants to, you know, to shortcut their way through. Everyone wants to tell their friend, I've got the best collagen supplement. You should take what I'm taking. Absolutely. But, you know, the studies do say with collagen six to eight weeks. I know when we launched ours, people after two weeks are saying, I can see the difference. Um, but it really does depend with collagen, for instance, it depends on your age, it depends on your activity levels. So where these companies say, well, ours is better because you need a smaller amount, that's not necessarily true because if you're more mature or you've got a higher activity level, you will need more collagen. So I actually say double the dose for the first month if you're above 40 um, and then go to the maintenance dose. Wow. For, you know, on, ongoing. So... You've got to understand how these ingredients work in the body. Um, sometimes the smallest amount may not be enough for some people. So the, the dose may vary slightly for different people. Well, they don't call you the forensic nutritionist for nothing. I'm going to wrap up and just if, if we were, you know, we've heard about your uh, amazing and really simple advice to up your plant intake to 30 plant source uh, food a week, a week to introduce diversity. Uh, if there were, if if we were to take a couple of supplements or maximum three supplements um, to help with, you know, our vitality, our glow, uh, our energy levels, what would what would you recommend? If you want sort of vitality and energy, then I would 
put you on the Vitasol Infinity, which is polyphenols, antioxidants. That's incredible for brain health, for energy, for glowing skin. Everyone can take the marine collagen and that actually in clinical studies has been shown to help to mimic the growth factors that stimulate the fibroblast cell that produce collagen, elastin and hyaluronic acid. So you want that glowy, radiant, dewy skin. That is going to be a winner for everybody. Um, the more you need collagen, the more you'll notice a difference from it, if that makes sense. So if you're yep. 20 and you take it, you won't notice such a difference. You're, you're more maintaining. But those two things are, are going to be great. It really depends on the individual. If you're not having any fish, then that is when you would need to be looking at taking a fish oil supplement. So if you don't eat fish, um, you're probably not getting enough of what we call the EPA and the DHA. And that's really important, especially as we're, we're aging. So that's when I would say look at a um, fish oil supplement as well. And to finish it off, what is your must-have beauty uh, item or items for um, ageless beauty? So I'm a big believer in keeping it simple. I think that most people do too much and they overexfoliate, cause too much trauma to the skin, and then we've got to repair all the the you know um, damage that we've done. I love oils for the skin. So I'm a big believer in maintaining barrier function of the skin, maintaining the microbiome of the skin. That's a whole other topic to talk about. But um, I love a cleansing oil and a cleansing, uh, a cleansing oil and then an actual topical oil, um, replenishing oil. For me, um, really get those two. And of course, an SPF in the day is, is very important as well. But if we're eating well, we've got the right nutrients, then we actually don't need to do too much to the skin. It's been so good speaking to you. I really could speak to you forever. And I think we will definitely have to invite you back. Um, thank you so much, Fiona. I love I love the way that you approach well-being. I've always loved your approach to remaining ageless. And I would absolutely encourage everyone to follow Fiona on her social channels because she shares great tips, great recipes, um, and great science. Um, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, Baha. Thank you. And I've also got the podcast as well, the Forensic Nutritionist podcast. So for oh, yeah, I'll link to that, that as well. I will absolutely link to that. For those that love the nitty-gritty information, there's more of it on there as well. It was wonderful to speak to you. I can't wait to see you again. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 